Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Yorona. And I'm Robert. And we're both advanced certified life coaches who met during our certification program. Through our coaching sessions, we connected as parents from two different perspectives. Robert, who's the parent of adult children, and myself, the parent of a five-year-old. We both recognize that the role of parenting never stops, but it does change. In fact, it has to change. And if we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, we will remain with our children long after we're gone. What makes this podcast unique are the parenting perspectives and experiences each of us bring to the table, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode will explore a different topic related to parenting, and we hope to give you, the listener, some insights and takeaways on how you can relate this to your experience as a parent. And today's topic is all about discernment. It's kind of a big word that maybe uh, some folks haven't thought about. For me, it's been kind of part of my life. I had a religious upbringing that really had it as part of the experience early on. What we're talking about with discernment is the ability to judge things, not in terms of are they um, righteous or not righteous. That's not what I'm talking about. But in terms of are they healthy or not healthy? Uh, are they good? Are they efficient? We're talking about the ability to look at something and make a judgment about how good or applicable or desirable something is. So discernment is just the ability to look and make a, a sound judgment. Um, yeah. And it it's a really important one, especially when kids are little, because they have really very limited ability to judge in those manners. You know, if they meet somebody at school, they're like, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so. My favorite color is this. You want to play? <laughs> and then they go off and play. And what happens sometimes is their friend may be doing things, maybe behaving poorly, and they're picking those things up because they are interested in that person. That person engages with them. That person makes them laugh and have fun. But along the way, they don't realize necessarily that that person is also teaching them bad manners or teaching mm. them, you know, uh, mm. you know, using potty language or things of that nature. Um, yeah. Same thing goes for, you know, one of the reasons why we have now parental controls on things like, you know, devices and, and, and uh, YouTube and things like that. Mm-hmm. What I find really interesting is I have this funny story where Connor likes YouTube kids and, but we can't always find certain things that are on YouTube kids that he really particularly likes. So when he watches something else, like on YouTube, we, we are always making sure we're watching it with him. And if there's something we don't particularly like, we'll say, Oh, nope, they're doing that or they're X, Y, and Z. And therefore, we're not going to continue watching this. Mm-hmm. What I find really interesting is that Connor has picked up on some of those things. So we'll be watching something. And if I'm not paying attention and somebody says something, he's like, oh, mommy, that person said this. And I'm like, oh, that's not that's not right. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. no, that's not right. And we'll change the channel <laughs> um, or change the program. So he definitely is now discerning, you know, OK, that's appropriate. That's not appropriate. That said, there are times what's very interesting with that, where in school or at camp, he'll behave in a particular way. And at home, he'll behave a little bit more loosey-goosey and say some Mm -hmm. things that are not appropriate, like, 
He's got a whole thing recently that's, and I'm like, keep trying to teach him. That's not okay. I hope you're not saying that, you know, out in, you know, at school or at camp. And mm-hmm. he says, I don't do that there. And what's very interesting is that it seems to be true for the most part that he mm-hmm. isn't saying those things at camp. And what I'm realizing is he's also using discernment, judgment to decide this is the appropriate place for this. This is the appropriate place yeah. for this. At home, we could be a little bit more free, a little bit more relaxed. He could be a little more silly and whatnot. But out and about, he's learning that, okay, these are not appropriate steps. These are appropriate steps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the universal parenting experience is like, your child is just the best child. They're so respectful and well-mannered. I'm like, what child did you have for the weekend? It's like, you know, oh, you cannot be talking about my child. So, yeah, I definitely have that. And, you know, we talk about discernment and it just becomes more critical as an adult. We talk about all the different ways that you have to make decisions. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, sometimes they're little things like, hmm, is this TikTok hack really true? Like, yeah. is there if I do this, well, that, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, or is this person showing me how to change my garbage disposal on YouTube. Like, do they really know what the heck they're doing? Or am I going to end up with a mess? I got to call the plumber anyway. Um, how do I vote? I um, what what religious institution do I join if I want to do that? How do I discern? And, and, and probably the most impactful one is how do I know if somebody is taking advantage or using me somehow? How do I discern that? What's that look like? What clues do I have? What cues are out there? What behaviors can I um, judge to right. decide whether what my relationship with somebody else is real or it's based on something that's not real or something that's, you know, maybe even um, harmful or damaging. Right. And, and let's go down this rabbit hole for a moment. When people discern whether or not somebody is healthy for them, when there's an initial relationship there, the person isn't necessarily going to give you the most obvious and blatant clues that it's not a healthy thing. Right. No sign, right? <laughs> it's not like, you know, yeah. I ha- here are all my red flags. Yeah. You know? I'm bad happen. for you. <laughs> so what I would like to point out is that when you as a parent are seeing red flags, don't immediately jump in and say, this person's bad for you. Right. Because usually people will double down when they've made an investment in time and energy and and spent that time and energy into that person. You know, the, mm-hmm. the sunk cost fallacy because they perceive that value of that relationship or the value of that thing that they've chosen to do um, or become to be greater than it actually is when somebody else is giving you some more objective or critical perspective. So. You know, I'm trying to be cagey about this, but the truth is that there's no way to say, you know, say this other than to say this. So uh, I'm going to offer a trigger warning with regard to, you know, abusive relationships, because Mm -hmm. there are times where people judge and discern other people's choices as bad from an outsider's perspective and can easily say, why are you in that terrible relationship with this person who's doing these terrible things to you? Well, the person who's jumped into that relationship didn't discern that from the start. They didn't judge that. That that wasn't the perception they were given. They were given a different percep- perception of the person they chose to to jump in with. 
And now over time, it's sort of like they've taken a, an uncalculated risk and time and effort and energy expenditure into that relationship. And they cannot see a safe way out. They cannot see a way that won't hurt them, regardless of what they do to come out of it. So the worst thing we can do is judge them in that moment. The worst thing we can do is say, like, you're being a fool. The best thing we can do is offer unbiased support and ask them more discerning questions about, is this where you want to be in life? Mm -hmm. Is this what you, what, what would your perfect ideal relationship look like? You know, cause you, you've been complaining a little bit to me about X, Y, and Z going on with your relationship, how you really, you love your partner for this reason, but you don't for this reason, or this, your partner's doing these things. What is it that is driving you to accept those things? What, what, what gives you the, you know, that sort of thing you you're going to want to yeah, go yeah. down that hole, but it's because our judgment is not necessary in that moment. Their judgment is they yeah, need yeah. to develop the discernment to say to themselves, yeah, this isn't, un- this isn't a healthy relationship or this choice I made isn't, isn't healthy. You were talking before, you know, people look at videos, they watch, they watch videos and they're like, oh, this sounds like it makes sense to me. You know, a hormone hack. Okay. I'll hack my hormones and I'll make my (laughs) diet perfect. And my body will look perfect because I'm just got to do this. Or they jump into um, an MLM, you know, a Mm -hmm. a multi-level marketing scheme or something like that. Because again, they see something at surface level and they don't go investigating beneath that surface level to discern what is appropriate with this and what's not, or are they taking an actual calculated risk? They're just Mm -hmm. taking a risk. So those things are necessary when we really, it's, we're not saying judge everything in life. What we're saying is discern what, what is calculable in a healthy manner. Yeah. Yeah. Discernment is directly tied to wisdom. To be honest, at the end of the day, it's accumulating wisdom so that you can look at your circumstances and you can look at the things that are there and 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 get to a decision that's healthier, better, more fit, whatever you know moment you're looking at. And I will say that this is the, probably one of the hardest domains for parents of adult kids because we have accumulated life experience and we have accumulated wisdom, and sometimes we can see things that our kids cannot. And the decision on how to to intervene if intervention is necessary or to question if question is necessary um, or just to, you know, flat out say something direct is a hard decision. And, and, you know, we have in this series, we have never gone to you should always do this. You should always do that. And we're not going to do it now because we can't tell you in any given situation we just want you to be able to think about how you as a as a parent, especially of adult kids, can use your wisdom and help them discern. And I will say that at this particular moment, this is a shameless plug for life coaches, but this is what we do as life coaches. Yeah. We don't come in as your therapist. We come in and ask you questions that help you figure out things for yourself. And that's kind of the orientation that as parents is, is a healthy one. Yep. To ask questions and not leading questions like, 
oh, you really think you should be doing that thing? You know, that's a yes or no question that you're going to back them into. And they're probably going to end up continuing to do the thing that you think they probably should get out of. Right. But asking open-ended questions that cause them to think about what they're doing Mm -hmm. and cause them to think about their values and cause them to think about their goals and what they want is way more effective than just rolling in with, oh, I wish I had taught you this when you were 12, you know, so let me do it now that you're 24. (laughs) Um, It's just not, it's, it's, it's not going to get you the outcome that you desire as heart wrenching as that situation might be for you as a parent. It's not going to necessarily get that kid out of that situation or get them to a healthier place. And the truth is, and we can all admit this, as adults, we don't always make the right decision either. Oh no. You know? no. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest here. I can be a very gullible, naive person at times because mm-hmm. I like to believe the best in people. Yeah. And so I tend to make automatic assumptions when I meet somebody that they have the best of intentions, unless they outright blatantly show me that they don't. And then once I've made the assumption that they have the best of intentions. It sometimes colors my lens in that respect. And I mm-hmm. hear the things that they're saying from a best of intentions place. Mm-hmm. Um, now that may be, you know, some people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe she's that stupid. But the truth is like, I want for me, it helps me have hope and faith and belief that humanity can do better and be better. Yeah. No, and what, as long as I don't lose that, my hope is that that means I won't end up building resentment or frustration or anger towards other people for the lack of doing better when they need to. That said though, I have been burned plenty of times enough to know at this point that now I have to look at XYZ from a certain perspective and be a little bit more discriminating on, okay, this person, Mm -hmm. you know, is coming at me from this perspective and it's really a money-making thing for them. And I will tell you this, when you're diving into something new, that happens. Again, it's that, you know, going back to our other, um, our other talk about competency, it's the combination of competency and discernment, right? Mm -hmm. I'm competent enough that I know that I can do this on my own, but I don't have enough of the knowledge. So now I need to build in the knowledge. Okay. So I'm learning. This is a learning curve for me because I've never done X, Y, Z before. You know, when we were deciding to do this podcast, never done a podcast before. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. How do we do this? You know, what steps do we need to move forward with this? Do we, did we make a mistake on this? Did we make a mistake on this? Um, you know, jumping into coaching and getting certification for it. And is this the right move? And sometimes mm-hmm. you'll jump into something, even career path wise, and you'll be like, Ooh, this was really the wrong move for me. This is not uh, my comfort yeah, zone. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, like I've had people who've come to me for speaker co- speaker coaching work and they're like, yeah, I don't really want to be a public speaker. And I'm like, oh, okay. They want to do the TEDx stage. Okay, great. But they don't want to be a public speaker. Oh, so they okay. have a, you know, they have a particular goal in mind and they're hoping that that will get them that goal. I got Okay. You. Totally understandable. So we're going to make this work for you in the most comfortable way possible so that you can do this, you know, 12 minute talk 
but you don't have to do any more after that, you know, cause it'll get you, it'll net you something else. All right. Totally understandable. But that's just it though. Now I have people who come at me and they're trying to sell me X, Y, and Z. And I'm starting to become a lot more discerning on, yeah, you're just trying to sell me this and that's not right. going to be beneficial for me. But again, it's a learning curve and everything comes with a, you have a greater learning curve here until you start to, to make more discerning decisions and more learning and become more competent at that thing that you now, it becomes almost second nature. Yep. Nope. Not no to that. Yes to this, maybe to this, let me shelve this and then come Mm -hmm. back to this later. And that takes a lot of discernment and you're going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. Yeah, It's part of the learning process. It's part part of getting from point A to point B and, you know, as we're talking about this, uh, a couple of things came to mind and, and wanted to come back to your, you know, discerning um, relationships, you know, the being used or not being used in particular. And this is a piece of wisdom that I learned really only recently from a from a man who's been in ministry to homeless folks for a long time. Um, I, I'm just coming into that domain. So I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot. And he has days where he meets with people that are there simply to take advantage of. The ministry and to take advantage of him and what they can offer. And, you know, they're not, they're not there to do anything, but to just to take, right. Yeah. And he has other people come in and, uh, you know, and they're in desperate need. And I, and I asked him, I said, how do you go from, you know, any given day, you're going to have a mix of those. How do you go from one interaction to the other, other interaction without letting that cloud your judgment, without letting the, let's say you just came off of the meeting with the people that are scamming you or one, you know, just taking from you. How do you go into meeting with someone who's, who's really truly in need and not let that bias or color that, you know, that next meeting, he says, you know, Robert, I, I, I simply stop. And in between each one, I say, whatever I just did was done and behind me. And I have to look at this new one in a completely new with a, a completely new filter, right? So right. that you don't come into either way. You could also come from a meeting where somebody's desperate need you and you really want to help and it touches your heart and you, you know, just some, and then you get the, you know, the person that just wants to take and scam you coming in next and, you know, that gullibility thing. So it's a piece of wisdom I learned. One of the things I learned about myself in terms of developing discernment is, is the ability to notice small things Mm-hmm. is really important. Yes. Because oftentimes our ability to discern doesn't hinge on as you've said before, mm-hmm. the big red flags or the sign on the t-shirt that says don't date me because I'm going to be, you know, trouble or whatever. That's just that's not going to unfold that way, but there are subtle things. Yeah. And the ability to notice whether it's language that people use or the body language that they use, their nonverbal behavior, um observing them with other people, observing them when they're around children, observing, you know, different things, the ability to see it, small things in different scenarios goes a long way to discerning whether in the grand scheme of things, this is a good, efficient, desirable, you know, whatever outcome you're looking for. Yeah. It's about context, right? Discernment has to come into play with judgment and context. So something when in my, in my old work, I, you know, I ran a program for babies birth to three with developmental delays and disabilities. And I would say to my staff, we would, I would go through a process of, of doing a, a, um, abuse and neglect training with them. 
And when you're going into the home of somebody, they will show you some of the worst qualities that they have. And so the context of things surrounding abuse and neglect mattered greatly, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to neglect, because when it, it, when you're talking about going into somebody's home and they don't have much, yes, Mm -hmm. that child may be wearing the same clothes, you know, from one week to the next, but are Mm -hmm. they clean? Are they, you know, are they happy with their, their parents or do they, or do they shy away? Do they flinch? Do they discernment in those moments and the in the context of the circumstances it's not about making a judgment call on them because they don't have what you have it's about discerning is this healthy or unhealthy is this contextually appropriate or inappropriate right so we would you know we would see things like that you know we had a family who had a cat and they came from a different country where the cats were indoor outdoor mousers and when they came to the states they had this cat and they had no litter box in the home. Well, that didn't mm-hmm. make sense for them from where they were coming from. So the mm-hmm. discernment in that moment wasn't to judge them and say, you know, oh my gosh, how could you? It was to say, to explain to them the health consequences of not having a litter box in the home with a cat and a child who had an auto compromised immune system. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it wasn't about judging them. It was about discerning the situation and coming at it from a contextual place to be able to give them a judgment-free, informationally-based piece of knowledge that they needed to be yeah. able to discern why the importance of, an, of a litter box was there. And these are, the, again, this all, if to reel it back into parenting, this all goes back into the place of, you know, it, your kid may make a choice for themselves that you would not necessarily make for yourself, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad choice for them. So True. discerning, so helping them discern, is this a good choice or a bad choice for them means that they have a better ability to judge for themselves if the choices they're making are, are good or not good, you know, mm-hmm. are healthy or unhealthy, are um, in their own best interests or not in their best interest, you know, and we, are going to have times where they're making a choice and we're like judging it instead of, you know, that, that on high judgment place, as opposed to saying, okay, they want to do this thing. And it's not necessarily what I would do, but is it healthy for them? Yeah. Is it unhealthy for them? Are they putting themselves at risk? I mean, imagine if your child decided they wanted to become a stunt man or a stunt woman, you know, <laughs> or a stunt person. And you're like, oh my God, I would never want to do that. Right. And you're taking, they're taking a risk, but did they calculate all the risks? Are they yeah, making that choice? You know, like, are they yeah. making that choice with all their best safety gear in mind? And yes, the risk they're taking is going to be higher Jeez. than the risk you're yeah. probably taking in your life. But it have they have they discerned all the nuances around it? Yeah. I think that's really what we're talking about here is that as life moves forward, the discernment and the measurements they need to take are going to be greater and greater. And there's going to be higher, higher calculable risks. Mm-hmm. Right. But do yep. you let your child run across the street without you or do you hold on to their hand desperately 
throughout until they become an adult and, you know, they're like, they don't know how to let go of your hand. These, you know, this goes back to competency and Mm -hmm. discernment being a really integral together because are they, what are they running? Where are they running? How old are they? Have they Mm -hmm. looked both ways? Their ball is on the other side of the parking lot. There's no cars coming. They've looked both ways. They've taken a calculated risk. They're going to go grab that ball and they're looking again and then they're making their their way across. Now they've discerned the circumstances or are they just running blindly into the street? And even with discernment come mistakes, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've caught myself as the, you know, especially the, the parent of adult kids, sometimes my 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 wisdom, what the the wisdom that I've gained in making mistakes um, you, you want your child to understand that, but sometimes I've caught myself thinking that man, thinking in a way that I can, by helping my child discern and really hoping they don't do or don't make the mistake I made, I'm fixing the mistake I made. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, like, yes. I'm, like I'm atoning for the mistake I made <laughs> by helping my kid not to make the mistake. And it really doesn't work that way. It, 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 no. It's they are independent uh, people and again, I love the fact that when we talk about all these all these sessions, all these concepts run together. They're not in, they're not exclusive right. of one another. So we talk about discernment, we talk about competence and independence and all these other things. Um, but you, it, it as much as you might want to, right. you're not going to atone for the mistakes you make as a as a as a young person right. now that you're a parent by helping your kids not make those mistakes. You know, right. I, I wish my kids, you know, I, I drank, you know, when I was in college, I wish my kids would not drink. So I informed them of the dangers and the stuff like that. But guess what? They drank in college. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, thankfully, they didn't do some of the more the dumber things that I did um, <laughs> because of that. But nevertheless, you can you can only prepare them so much for this. Yeah. And at some point they're going to make that decision. And even with the the best intentions and, and and discernment, they're they're gonna make a mistake. You made a mistake. I made a mistake, right? So the the tolerance for that it has to be there. Yeah. The other thing that came up while you were talking um, was this idea of you know how do you how do you break through? Like yeah. how do you how do you discern wisely? And it's hard to use the word judgment discernment in to define each other, but they're, they're related but not related. Right. Um, right. But the I think one of the skills that's also important here is the ability to break down stereotypes mm. because our brains love stereotypes yeah. because it makes it makes the the wiring so much more efficient if we just lump all white people in one category and all right. people of dark skin color in another category and because it's 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 a broad brush and our brains are like. Oh, thank God. I don't have to, you know, make any more cells to to make it more nuanced than that. Sure. Yeah. So the ability to see and not apply a stereotypical thought mm. is a key here. And that's something that I've had to learn over time. Yeah. This is very important. And I'm going to say, too, that that's also a component to our survival mechanism, so, mm-hmm. so people have a greater understanding of this. There's a reason behind why people lump other people together. Right. Because as a human being, we learned that tribalism was necessary for survival, right? Mm-hmm. When you're born, you are completely helpless as an infant. 
So you have to rely on another human being for that to survive. Mm -hmm. What happened as a result was that the reliance just grew and we created tribalism. And when you are amongst your tribe of people who have similarities to you, we also started to learn as a survival mechanism that same is safe, different Mm -hmm. is dangerous. Right. For instance, you walk into a cave and there's a saber-toothed tiger and it's different than you and it attacks one of your family and kills them. You learn, oh, different, dangerous. And just to simplify things here for the limited time. Um, yes. So as that grew, those two pieces, the tribalism and different is dangerous. So therefore fear something different mm-hmm. because your survival depends on it became a part of civilization as we grew. Mm -hmm. What we didn't account for was that as we became civilization and became more civilized and created societies, that differences can actually breed ingenuity, can breed creativity, can breed innovation, can actually, um, we can learn from one another and we can enrich our lives And that started to happen, but there was this resistance level to it because different is fearful because different means my extinction. Different is something to fear. And so if we understand that when we look at somebody or something that is different from us, a culture, an ethnicity, a race, whatever it may be, a religion that is different than us, Mm -hmm. and we say that's different, so that's to be feared. And if we come at it from a fear-based perspective, We will not learn and grow and develop together and breed more creative ways to live and more um, of a a beautiful society bred in, ooh, look, they did this this way and isn't that interesting and it's actually more beneficial to do it this way than Mm -hmm. this way and learn from each other so that we can figure out, oh, what works and what doesn't work. And so- All this is to say that when we go back to a fear-based learning system, you know, whether it's through discernment, whether it's through judgment, whether it's through, um, you know, competency, all of the things we talk about, when you come at it with fear, you limit your ability to grow Mm -hmm. and you therefore limit your child's ability to grow. Mm -hmm. So if your child is interested, for instance, my son, Connor loves soft and squishy things. So when we went to a Home Depot once and he saw those big, soft, squishmallows things, he went up and he <laughs> grabbed it and he's squishing it and mushing it. Now, if I was to say in my brain, but he's a boy, he can't like squishy, soft and, and cozy things mm-hmm. and push him away from that, I'd be doing him a disservice because he wouldn't learn to find comfort level in the soft and squishy and comforting things. Because in the next moment, he put that thing down and he turned and he saw a Jeep and he goes, yes, Jeep. And he ran to it, you know, one of those ride on ones for the kids. And he jumped into it and he's like, and I'm like, I think, I think we did good here. Because the point is that I was saying, you know what? Let him explore. Let him learn and discern what works for him and what doesn't. There'll be enough time for judgment in the future or unfortunately biased judgments that he'll learn from society. And I don't want that for him. So the more he learns now to ingrate in him comfort level with all these different things, getting a a princess crown for his his, uh, bunny rabbit, you know, (laughs) wearing his pink shirt because he loves it or his, you know, whatever. These things are important. It's important because when the discernment of 
figuring out what you want to let go of and what you want to keep in your life, you're not doing it from a fear-based approach. Yeah. Boy, how many times have we brought this up? And I think probably every episode we've yeah. talked about the impact that fear has on that particular topic, right? And, and you know, maybe. Maybe that's one of the grand takeaways, you know, when we wrap, uh, put the bow on this thing that, uh, you know, how, how limiting or damaging fear can be in the, in the whole thing. But nevertheless, you know, discernment is important. And, and, and it's not to say like, you know, if you're, if you're on a safari and, and, and you come across a, a lion, it's probably fair to discern based on fear. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. You know, so it's not to say that it's not appropriate, but it is to say that fear has an impact that we sometimes don't understand. Right. So, yeah, discernment. Oh, my gosh. Um, Big one. So so important. And. You know, um, on that note, uh, we will, we will be in our next episodes, uh, in our next episode coming up with a couple other things at the end to give you guys some more concrete ways. But you, you should also know that you can always reach us individually for individual, um, life coach work and all of that on our websites. And we, I believe do have that in our very first episode in our resources on Podbean. So you can definitely look for that there. Mm-hmm. And on that note, Happy parenting, people, and may the evolution of your parenting skills be ever in your favor. Always. 